Hello, guys, and welcome to the Drive Home Breakdown. This week, we've got our breakdown of X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, Really excited about this one. I think both Brent and I were uh, really, really looking forward to this movie. And, uh, well, uh, you know, I won't uh, get too ahead of myself, let you know what I thought, but uh, we, uh, I think we had a really good episode this week. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, wanted to say thank you to all the feedback we got on uh, last week's uh, breakdown of the newest Godzilla film. Uh, it was kind of cool. It looked like everybody had, you know, roughly the same sort of impressions uh, uh, about the film, and uh, which is kind of good to see. It sort of seems like everybody's on the same page. Um, it'll be really inter- interesting to see what they do with the sequel. You know, they've already talked about doing a sequel for the film. And, uh, you know, I think uh, everybody wants more atomic fire, basically. I think that's what it came down to. Uh, but anyway, really, really appreciate the feedback on that. And uh, glad to glad to get it. And I really can't wait to see the feedback for uh, for this episode because, uh, you know, this this had uh, a lot going on in it. And it'll be really, really interesting to see how, uh, how everybody felt uh how everybody felt they pulled it off. So uh, before uh, before I go any further, let's go ahead and jump into our drive home breakdown of X Men: Days of Future Past. And so, uh, Storm's dead. Congratulations! It took how many X Men movies have there been? Well, but but then see they had to go and fix the timeline, oh, so she's alive I again. I, I tell you, I I'm was like, we haven't fixed okay. anything. I was almost okay with them killing the entire of the X Men, the entire well, but humanity essentially. Yeah, I mean, like honestly, if we have to kill all of humanity to get rid to of kill Halle, Halle Berry, Berry I, I'm fine is it too it. small a price? Is it? No, no. The answer is no. Too large a price. I, um, uh, I would have given anything to be the sentinel that that got to gouger there at the end. But, oh, uh, I know, and th- you know, and like everybody thinks that that's like a, a sexual double entendre, but it's not. Like Tony literally it's definitely means, not. yeah, I would like to gouge her in her, you know, life in her life area. Carrying area. I'd like to find the area of her body where her life is and gouge that part. Um. <laughs> so all right. Okay. So right off the bat, we can say easily the best part of the movie is the part where fucking Halle Berry dies, and we can say the worst part of the movie is the part a few minutes later where she's not dead again. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so having said that, though, so our best and worst, getting that so, out of the way. Right so the up best front. and worst, right up front. Halle Berry dead. Halle Berry alive. It was a roller coaster of emotion, wasn't it? Wow. Um, okay. So having said that. What did you think? Overall thoughts? I, honest to goodness, I loved it. I thought they... So, I'll be honest with you. X-Men has been a really difficult series for me as a whole. It has. I, it's almost been like Halle Berry, where... No, you know, there, there was times... never ups and downs. There's only downs. <laughs> there's only downs. So, like, to me, the, the first X-Men movie, I, I was never... I was never super happy with. Like, right. I liked it. I we're, thought it was... I, I really was. I really liked the first one. Yeah, and, and, and I, I I just... But I always thought, I was like, you know, well, it wasn't bad. I, I kind of wish it wasn't one of the first, one of the earliest comic book movies to a degree because right. I sort of felt like, you know, because of budgetary, can, you know, the, uh-huh. there, there was budget things that, that kept maybe some of the special effects from being as Certainly. good as they possibly be. Um, I liked a lot of the casting choices they made, they, minus Halle Berry. They've all, and that's what I was going to say, and this movie is actually kind of proof of it. Yeah. But the X-Men series has always had an embarrassment of riches when it came to cast, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to the, the X-Men films. Where, or excuse me, the X Men, as opposed to say something like the Avengers, where 
you know, you got like Robert Downey Jr. is like your one sort of like real rock star, uh, you know, kind of actor. And like the other, I mean, you know, Chris Evans, people knew him from shit. He had been in the Fantastic Four, but, you know, not a super huge name. Chris Hemsworth, basically, you know, this is like the first thing you saw him in other than his fucking Kirk's dad Although, in Star Trek. Yeah. Um, but my, my point is, is that whereas like the Marvel franchise movies, those tended to be kind of star making roles in a sense. Well, but I, I, with that though, I, I, a little trepidation there. Like there were some that they just nailed hook, line, and sinker perfectly the first time. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, absolutely one of one of the best but, calls ever. And I don't think a lot of people got that. Patrick Stewart as Professor Xavier is is like who else? The, are you gonna get it's get it's for that? the no brainer that you still expect them not to make the decision, right? You because know what I mean? because it's, like, it's such a good idea. Because it's too good. Like ah, right. that's just that's too perfect. But we can't they've go there. had they've had. An amazing cast in these movies. Well, but see, that's what I was going to say. Overall. Though I, I think I think a lot of the younger actors they've got for some of the roles. Like I, I've never been a huge fan of Anna Paquin, or isn't that her name? Yeah, Rose, yeah, Rose, Rose, Rose. Yeah. Um, you know, I uh, I don't know. There's a lot of other than a couple of the key roles, uh, and I did always love um, Xena on a top. Can never remember her real name. <laughs> Famke um, Jansen. Famke Jansen as uh, Jean Grey. Like love yeah, that. I did too. But you know, well, never I really like crazy about. I, I really like Marston as Scott Summers. Uh, yeah, I, always, I was never crazy about him. it. But but anyway, the whole thing is. Well, then fuck some, you! Get out of the car. They had no. some. They had some decent choices in casting over the years, but it, but I don't think that they. They still, I, I think, it's one of those things. Like the the first movie was was solid. You know, I know you you enjoyed it quite a bit. I, did. I, I, I sort I really of thought it was okay. It. Wasn't blown away by it. Second one, for for a couple of years. Probably one of my all-time favorite comic book movies. I just oh, yeah. they, they got that that feel right. Like it just it was fun. It was the action was much much bigger. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, but it was it was a good good flick. Yeah. Um, I would say that from that point forward, though, the X Men series is, has pretty much been dead to me until until first class, first class, and which is easily like my favorite. Yeah, uh, of everything they've done so up, far up until now, first class has easily been my favorite. Yeah, and the only thing I was gonna say with that is the thing I loved about first class is because it was sort of like a new fresh start on the X Men. Like well, it kind yeah. of and it got rid of a lot of the problems. I sort of in a, a roundabout way, you know, right. it, it got around some of the things that I had problems with later in the series because they just went, you know, went to a totally different time frame. And but also kept the best parts. And also. I don't feel like they had any weak links in the casting there. No, no. I, I mean, between... To talk about embarrassment McAvoy, of casting, I think that was probably... Yeah, between McAvoy, Jennifer Lawrence, and I, I mean, like, literally... Fastbender. Fastbender as Magneto is, like, maybe in the top seven things of all time that are great. I mean, but, like, I'm talking about, like, I'm talking about, you know, like, fucking cookies and cream ice cream. I'm talking about pancakes okay and then like Fastbender is Magneto I mean like okay. that's how good Fastbender he is Magneto he up there is. with food I, I will give um, him that uh, I, I do Fastbender was amazing oh, and man, McAvoy so I actually think is equally as amazing he is as, as a early uh, exactly. Professor Xavier yeah, yeah. just it, it, it kind of he, he really it was it was a, a perfect fit um, I, uh, I I did I did think that first class was it was just a great film. Like I thought it was a great movie. Yep. It really had that feel. Um, the thing I, I liked about it too is in that different time frame, it's kind of almost almost a little bit of a period piece to a certain degree you know, because was. of the whole the, the focus of it. And and this one was really the same way. But even I, I love the the vibe going from the the future to the past. Like like they it it distinctly felt like two totally different worlds, but within the same world. Like like you you could see. Going down the path that you know that you that you got there, and um, I mean, I, 
it kind of kills me. Like I, I didn't end up seeing Wolverine, which uh, I know uh, I did. I, I know you did, and uh, it's much. I better, gotta believe it's much better than Origins, but it still suffers from the same fundamental problem that uh, that the first one did, which is we don't have a great idea for a bad guy, so we'll just throw in a bunch of different. Yeah, know, we'll just throw in like a bunch of different bad guys. Yeah. It, it, it's, it still suffers from that same basic problem. Yeah. But it was better than Origins, and which was god fucking... I mean, Origins may be worse than X-Men 3. The, the thing is, is like, Wolverine is so... Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is so good, yep. it is slightly disappointing that the best representation of him, I, I feel like, is still in the X-Men movies. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, like you, you for whatever reason, solo films can't. would be a no-brainer. Exactly. You'd, you'd hope that it was like everything that was awesome about the character in, in say, X2 and, you know, more, more recently now in Days of Future Past. Like, yeah. it's just such a, so, so amazing. But, man. And the thing that I was going to say is that maybe my favorite part of this movie is Hugh Jackman's Wolverine getting to interact with McAvoy's Professor X and yeah. And uh, Fastbender's Magneto. I mean, that is maybe my favorite thing about this movie. I would absolutely like it's kind of like the best parts of of the X Men movies were pulled together in this one. You know, you you including the part where Storm got fucking exactly, including the part where Storm dies, and the fact that she's in the movie very little. Yes, like that. that that All of those things are huge (laughs) pluses to an X Men film. Um, oh, man. Anyway, I, we're, we're, we're giving her a hard time. Mainly just, she I, deserves I, I just, it. She fucking made Catwoman. Fuck her. Yeah, she, Fuck hard time. Fuck her. She, uh, but I mean, uh, like, uh, we shouldn't be talking about her, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, yes, that's exactly right. We're, we've time already spent on way too much time on it. But, um, man, uh, as a whole, just the movie, like, I, I will say I was sort of a little frustrated because, you know, we, we, don't, uh, we don't get to necessarily see these on, uh, like, the midnight shows like we kind of uh, used to. Yeah. Um, and because of that, like, you know, we, we get, uh, I, I see, like, on Twitter, you know, some people sometimes say stuff. Usually nothing like, you know, ah, fucking... Howie Berry dies at the end. Yeah. <laughs> nothing nothing would get me that excited. But uh, yeah. but you do still see, like, people's impressions. I will say I saw, like, two or three that were like, this movie is amazing. And I, and I was really like, I, I almost wish I hadn't seen anything yet right. to, like, color my opinion. Th- th- but, exactly, like, you just, like, and I, I was, I just had the TV on at work the other night, like, to, uh, to news, yeah, and I was I was fixing Flipping something around. I was fixing something to eat. I'm like in the other room, and here's somebody say, "And uh, the new X Men film opens this weekend, and our entertainment reporter Josh So and So is going to tell us about it." I love this movie, and I'm like, "Damn it, switch it off!" <laughs> but man, I, I gotta be honest, it was like the movie was fantastic. Like yeah. it was it was such a good just story. Like, and they handled it well. I mean, if you really want to nitpick, which a lot of times we do, if if I feel like the nitpicking is is something that really was critical to the film in terms of like, well, they open up this box and they didn't answer it by doing this, so that yeah. you know creates a real problem. I think if you look at like some of the time travel elements of this, like <laughs> I mean, you know, if you if you buy into that to begin with, you, you give it uh, you have to give it a, a lot of leeway because I mean, yeah. you know, but you could you could pick some some parts of it apart, but man, I really thought they just. I mean, they. It was just a good story, and like it, it, it has, it, it kind of had that whole thing where, like, you know, you, you know, reasonably early in the film, you're at the point that they're supposed to fix, you know, and yeah. then it, you know, of course, and then they fuck it, it up. They fuck it up even worse. Oh, dude! Like they, you really at one yeah. point, you're like, okay, you're like okay, so we we just started the war twenty years earlier. Next basically. time we go into the future, we still got all the same problems that we had. Plus, everybody's a leper. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it was. Uh, 
It was it was crazy, man. But they really they it's like, really oh, I got to stop the Sentinel. Damn it! I lost a finger again. They did do a that's great, that's terrible. Leprosy's no joke. They did do a great job though too of the uh, of the characters like the like I, I've always I've been I've had a really difficult time with Magneto as a character. Like I just yeah. I've always found it hard to. I've had it a little bit difficult to sort of side with with him. You know, he's always, always kind of been that like we have to, you know, we have to change the world. Like we have to make the change because you know that we're they're not. And I, I understand his point of view, but I've just I've always I've I've never liked the way that he went about it. Essentially, well, and I, I agree, and that was what I said. One of the things that I told you when I when I was trying to get you to watch First Class. So I was saying, this is the first movie that really gets Magneto yeah. right. Yeah. This is the first movie where you watch this movie and it's like, I would follow Magneto. I understand what he's saying. Absolutely. I understand why he feels threatened and why he feels that he's justified in taking this action. And, and even in this one, man, they really, they, they play it like, yeah. you get to see both the later in life when he sort of realizes, you know, that they there there were different ways of doing things and that, you know, maybe had they done them, things could have been better. Who knows? I mean, you know, it's always, but, but kind of kind of comes back around to the, the, the likable character that you, you learned in, in the first and first class. Because, really, I, I never found him all that likable in the earlier X-Men movies. I mean, like, you know, some funny lines and some, you know, well, interesting he, things. He, he, no, but, I mean, he, he's he, got a certain charisma because, you know, Ian McKellen's yeah. charismatic guy. But, uh, but he's not... You, you can never... Or I could never quite... I could never quite see the Magneto from the comics. The Magneto who... I was like, this guy's fucking right! He's yeah. not wrong about what he's saying. Yeah. I'm not saying it's okay to kill mass numbers of people, but he's not fucking wrong. Yeah. And First Class was the first movie that got that part on screen. Absolutely. Um, so, a couple of quick impressions for me. Number one, this movie has taught me that Hugh Jackman looks amazing no matter what outfit he's wearing. Like, the guy can pull off any fucking look. I mean, like, it was just like one of those things, like, I sat there and it was just like, I will never be handsome. Because, <laughs> like, like no, you know, no matter how I try, you know, like, I, I can lose even more weight than I already have. I could, like, you know, get, like, a cool hairstyle, that kind of thing. But I will never, ever look as Hugh Jackman because, I mean, they can put him in the stupidest flowery 70s outfit imaginable and he still looks more manly than me and I'm like okay, damn yeah. it <laughs> uh, so that was one thing that the movie taught me is okay. that uh, Hugh Jackman can look good in, in, in anything uh, he can or in nothing or in nothing as we I, I mean, it was I mean I'm, I'm as hetero as they come and I still you know that, that, that you know you're like that's a damn fine man's ass right there it's like that man looks good uh, and, I, and I'm not afraid to admit it so yes all true uh, but uh, but for real Here's the thing. Here's the thing about the movie that I really liked. I really like uh, the thing that I mentioned before. I like I like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine getting to interact with basically the first class uh, people. I like the fact that they were able to bring back literally everybody. Literally everybody. Even Halle Berry. Uh, you know, even though Halle Berry's in the movie and, and we've been we've been digging on her all this time and kicking her in her fucking pancreas. Um, even Halle Berry, the fact that they were able to get everybody back 
and and like some and, of them you and, don't see till the very end, and, and some of them you only see for a fraction and of a second. Like I'm, just, I'm a little literally surprised walk they on cameos. Like Anna yeah. Paquin, no dialogue whatsoever. I mean, Which, maybe, maybe for, like for the, one line. Yeah, maybe for the positive, but you know, <laughs> but still, like she literally just like looks at the camera and then turns away just to let you know that she's there. It's I mean, you're really, like, hey, it's really me. Yeah, uh, but it could be cut footage from like years before. I guess it's possible, but. But the fact that they were they were able to get everybody back at some point, and that's the thing I was going to say, as opposed to as opposed to feeling like you know, because a lot of times in these ensemble movies, it's a really difficult balancing act uh, where they try to service every character with some with something to do, yeah. you know, uh, the, a reason to be there. I mean, like a it's reason just... to be there, you know, some kind of arc or something like that. The Avengers movie is a good example, you know. Yeah. Just about every character in that film, with the exception of Hawkeye, uh, even Hawkeye though really has. It's just it's darker. I mean, like he goes down the, the that other path, you know, early in the movie. But yeah, they they all had to have some sort of story, right? You know, behind them. But it's really difficult to juggle that stuff. And, and I mean, like you could make the argument that the Avengers film suffers from, you know, basically the fact that, you know, you know, three quarters of the movie is. Basically, the, just them trying to establish, uh, make more complex, and then resolve individual character stories so that we can get to the big fight. Yeah, um, you, you can make that argument. I think that the film is still awesome in spite of that, but it's a valid point. I like the fact that in this film, they don't feel the need to give every fucking character some you know big chunk of shit to do. The focus of the movie is Xavier and Magneto. Jackman is, you know, pulling up a, a very strong third, uh, but maybe even behind Mystique, who, who at least in, yeah. in... Maybe not in terms of screen time, but certainly in terms of the story, is the next most important character after well, after I mean, Xavier. She, and I dare screen time, too. I mean, she, she maybe really so. was. I mean, she... She's they, there, right there. But and I, mean, I think that's why you see, like, their four names are, are, are in the top of the credits. Right. Because, I mean, really, that is where that's, the... That's where the story focus... Who that's the fucking where, movie's about. Yeah. It also just occurred to me that the only person that didn't make it back this time was Rebecca Romaine Stamos, who did have that really odd... Like, maybe one of the best cameos ever yeah. in First Class. They also did not get back Alan Fine as, uh, as Nightcrawler, but that's probably because I understand he's kind of a dick. Uh-huh. And 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 not not necessarily all that fun to work with. Well, yeah, and you know, in that, it, it didn't feel forced. Like it didn't feel like we're seeing every member that you know from the from the previous series of yeah. movies. Like it, but seriously, it's I very, mean, it, just about everybody's there. Well, they, they, that's what I'm gonna say though. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like you know ah we're missing other characters or we're, yeah. we're making a point not it, to show. It, it was just like this him walking through and just seeing people as he goes. Yeah. And, and I tell you, man, that I, I really I, I kind of knew it was coming. I mean, not because they did it poorly, but just because you just sort of had this feeling. But when he reaches up to touch yeah. Jim Gray's hair, and you're like, "Hey, hey, pal," or what whatever he says, "What are you doing?" You're like, "You just because you know that he's he's gonna yeah. be back as you well." You know it's gonna happen. And uh, I, I really like that. I thought that was I did very, too. And, and also kind of Xavier's sort of reaction of like, you know, day to day sort of thing because he doesn't know when he's coming back. Exactly. He, he knows it'll happen of, at some point. Yeah. But he doesn't know that today's the day. And he and he obviously you know had to keep it up. Secret, you know all that all that time. Like so he's got any trouble keeping secrets? Yeah. Um, I man, I, I thought they, I thought they did just such a such an awesome job. I tell you, it the was other satisfying. Thing I, it was satisfying on a lot of very levels. Much so. Here's, I'll, I'll go ahead and introduce one nitpicky thing okay. that I wasn't crazy about. Okay. The one thing about the film that 
I kind of felt like got glossed over just a little bit was the whole, hey, I'm from the future and there's going to be like basically a holocaust and we've got to stop it. And I kind of felt like they just bought into it a little too easily. Like I was kind of like waiting on, like I was waiting on this something to happen where it's like, like, look, you got to be shitting me. He's like, no, seriously. Like, look into my mind. And Xavier basically sees, like, the opening of, like, the Terminator film. Yeah. Uh, which is the opening to this movie. Yeah, essentially. Much, yeah. But, like, basically Xavier has, like, that nightmare dystopian, like, oh, my God, things could not go more, you know, more wrong than they have been. Like, I, I just kind of felt like, um, I, I kind of felt like the, the imperative that they needed to have in order to motivate... Xavier into helping Logan. It was just like one of those things where it's like, look, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Okay, fine. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, I, I that, mean, that, that's one thing that I, I just kind of thought, like, yeah, like I, they, they do okay with it, but if I was going to nitpick one thing, I, I kind of felt like that getting over that hump was maybe a little bit easier. I can, I can definitely see where you're coming from on it. I, I, for whatever reason, it didn't. I don't know. It, I, I will. I will, I will be honest. It didn't. Uh, it didn't catch me that same way. Like, I mean, not not saying like looking back on it, I kind of kind of agree to a certain degree. Like, you know, they did sort of buy into it relatively quick. But I don't know. I guess for whatever reason, maybe the the, the pacing or how they did it, it just didn't. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it didn't didn't hit me quite yeah. that way. But I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I really do. I, I think it's a good point. I um, I tell you, one of the things I really. One of the things I really liked about, there, you know, there's always those moments in, in, especially in the superhero comics, where it's like that kind of um, showing off the powers, or, or sort of like, you know, the, yeah. the, the scenes you need for the trailer or whatever it is. I liked how I, I feel like in this movie, maybe as good as anything I've seen before. You know, it was just it's very natural. It was just, you know, people did the things they were able to do, not, you know. Not like you know. All right, stop. Well, I mean, with the exception of maybe raising a baseball field you know, out of the ground, but like, but like there weren't there weren't many of those kind of like long shots on like you know this character pulling off this you know right. kind of move. It was just it was real in the moment. It was very fast paced. I like how the beginning you kind of got that sense of that sense of urgency. You know, it, it, I agree. it sort of. Well, starting the film off, and, and, and it was a clever it was it was a clever device. Starting the film off. Basically, seeing the future X Men team getting wiped the fuck out. Basically, seeing the X Men. It, look, it looks like the, the the end of mutants. Essentially, yeah. is what you're seeing is what you feel like. The X Men are getting their asses handed to them. Like you're just getting murdered, murdered by the Sentinels, and then they're able to literally murdered too. Not yeah. just beat up really bad. No, not figuratively. Literally, literally murdered, uh, and then they're able to ah Deus Ex Machina. Uh, you know, we've got fucking, we got like this fucking time travel consciousness deal going on, and we're gonna just basically erase ourselves from ever even being here. It's an excellent way to set up number one, the urgency of the situation, and number two, the mechanic by which you know the film is going to function. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really really great piece of film storytelling where you are you're really doing two things at one time. You're getting across all that shit to the audience. Um, so I, I, I really like that. I like the I fact too. that we finally got to see uh, a little bit more Colossus. There's never enough Colossus in these movies for my. I got. I got to be honest too, man. It was brutal. Like the way, the they, way both times up. they waxed him. Yeah. It was. It was just brutal. It was like, listen, we can't just kill Colossus. We got to fucking kill yeah. Colossus. I, like uh, this guy's got to go. 
I, I tell you, man, they, they really, they, they nailed that, uh, they, they just, they, they really nailed that. I, uh, I like, I agree with you totally on how it's a great, great way to set up sort of the, the, the main sort of plot device in the, in the main part of the story. Yeah. I, um, I even, you know, I really liked, I mean, it's, it's one of those things like you kind of think, you know, well, wouldn't it just have been more easy to send, you know, Xavier back? But it, yeah. it, they did sort of work on that, you know, principle of like, look, this, this is really not good. I, I should, we shouldn't be doing this a lot anyway. It's like, we don't and, give a fuck about Bishop, which is why we do it to him all the time. <laughs> It really is kind of. I, I sort of thought that exact point when when they did when they said that. I was like, oh, so but Bishop's cool. I mean, Bishop Bishop's the idiot man child who has no idea what they're doing to him and why he and why it's slightly more difficult for him to read after every after every encounter. It's like, why can't I read my own handwriting anymore? It's like, well, let me Shut tell you, buddy. Yeah, you may have made you may have made this trip one too many times. But uh, I, you know, I thought I thought that was kind of an interesting way to sort of you know. Give, give there more reason to you know to, to have that sort of extra difficulty uh, yeah. come about. They really do. They really do sell you on on the dire nature of the situation, uh, on just how serious and hopeless uh, everything in the future is. They they really do get across why they are so desperate it, to uh, you know to, to change things. It has the weight of you know of like the original story. Like I always remember you know thinking you know the. The Days of Future Past storyline was always really, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was one it was of it's not the. It, it, I mean, it's probably the first thing I can think of in, in comics that I can remember of comics I collected yep. being that epic, like uh, that. Oh yeah, huge. You know, I maybe read something it. like Secret Wars or something like that. You Secret know, but even Wars then, was big, I, but I wasn't I wasn't into. Um, I was into X Men comics when I was younger, and that that really was right around the time I first got into them. Was um, you know was was when this was going on, and I, I remember just thinking like, holy shit! Like this this, this has true. ramifications for the you know rest of the kind of comic course. You know, oh, yeah. not knowing at the time, you know, first getting into comics, they'll just comics, retcon this shit. Comics change all the fucking time, yeah. and it's you they'll know, retcon the shit in a year. But, but when matter. you're young, when you're a kid, that it really you're like. Holy oh my shit. god! Well, I mean, like I remember now, and admittedly, I read it. I read Days of Future Past and trade paperback uh, the first time because it, it came out. Uh, I can't remember. It, you know, before I before I started reading X Men comics, it had sure. already been out. But uh, you know, like I guess it's like the second issue because it's it's only like a three issue arc, I think, in the original. Of course, now back then the issues were long. Like there were more pages per book uh, yeah. in, in those days than there are now. But um, like I, like the second issue. Is the second issue is like a sentinel like blasting at like old man Wolverine, yeah. and there's like a little like text box in the corner that says, "In this issue, everybody dies." Yeah, and they do. I mean, yeah. like as, as I recall, it's uh, it's Storm, Wolverine, and Colossus that are uh, they're they're going to like try to take out like the Sentinels like Central Nerve Center, which I believe is in the Baxter Building, and, and you know like burned out Manhattan. I think you might be right. Yeah, it's been and years. It's fucking and like that's the issue. Like, like they fucking kill off Wolverine. I mean, they're like he like leaps at a sentinel. Sentinel turns around and like blasts him with some heat beam. You see like the flesh melting off of him. And like in the next panel, like down at the bottom, like, like I, I can just I can remember in my mind, like just barely like on like in, you know in frame. There's like you know there's just fucking adamantium skeleton laying yeah. lifeless on the ground. Now of course years later they, they did the exact same gag and he regenerated. Yeah. But uh, but at that time you're like holy shit that's it old man Wolverine fucking dead. Yeah I mean it, it 
know, they, and they, they definitely, you know, the storyline here was definitely changed up. But, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like it was... It, just, it had that same sense of just, this is, like, like it's over. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking over. Uh, it, it had that same sense of urgency, like, we, we've got to change this, we've got to stop this. And as much as they change, and I mean, like, admittedly, it, it's been it's been a while since I read Days of Future Past, but the, the, the main plot to Days of Future Past is, like, the broad strokes is that uh, Mystique has got her own brotherhood uh, going. I, I can't remember who all's in there. Fucking Blob. and uh, I know Destiny's in there and maybe uh, maybe Avalanche. I, I can't remember yeah, everybody. But anyway, she's got her own brotherhood of evil, of evil mutants and the cornerstone is basically the same thing. She's going to assassinate in the comic it's Senator Kelly and when she assassinates Kelly, that, like, you know, like, everybody, like, humanity collectively turns against mutants, the Sentinel program is greenlit, and blah, blah, blah. So, the broad strokes are, are, yeah. are right there. The broad strokes, exactly the same. Um, so, I, I really, really dig the, the the vibe from First Class, the, the, the period picture thing that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and placing the movie in real-world events, Cuban Missile Crisis, Cold War... Uh, in, in the first <laughs> the one. assassination of the president. The assassination of the president. <laughs> like, that's that's interesting. Uh, th- there's that great moment where uh, where Quicksilver's breaking out Magneto. He's like, "So what'd you do, man? What'd you do? Did you break in somewhere? What'd you do?" He's like, "I what'd killed the president." And he looks over at that guard that he's got duct taped inside the elevator. He's like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I just I, I got a presidential assassin. Oh my god! I honestly think, just just from a pure in, enjoyment perspective, I think Quicksilver might have been like the best part of the movie. Dude, like he's he, fantastic. That little that little chunk that he's in. I, and it's we were great. just we were talking about while we were watching the credits, you know, waiting to see what we'll talk about in a minute but yeah you know we're i i asked brent if he knew if they were gonna you know have the same guy playing quicksilver because you know i it's you know that, that little scene at the end of uh cap two of cap two is so quick I, I just didn't catch it or anything i was like are they gonna use the same actor because to me that would have been such a cool sort of i know way to get I around know. like hey look maybe we're not gonna be able to put our movies together anytime soon but this would be a neat little nod to one another like you know yeah. that we're in sort of the same world um but you know, it sounds like it, it is a different actor. It's a so, different you know. actor. Which uh, it, number one, I, I mean, I don't know who they got cast that's going to be in Avengers two. Yeah, uh, I can't, I can't remember who it is. But uh, I know this guy from American Horror Story. Shelley and I uh, have, have seen him. He's been in all three seasons of that show, and he's really good. Yeah, uh, I was really excited that uh, that he was. Oh, he did be a great this. job. I mean, you know, it's, it's his his part is. You know, relatively small in the in, in what you know. I mean, yeah. in ter- not in terms of what like happens because of it, but you know, it's just. But man, it was just it was just enjoyable. Like that was one thing that with the with the weight of everything that's going on, like sometimes there's this real fine line. You can either be so serious that it gets frankly depressing, yeah. or you can kind of like Which try to lighten things. The X Men films have struggled with that. Yeah, well, they they try to lighten things with jokes, and it makes it too silly like it's like you know and this movie it's a hard balance it was they did a perfect job of it like you know like like the joke like I'll be honest with you in, in a hugely important moment you know basically they just they just kept Mystique from shooting um, uh, Trask Trask and like but she jumps out the window gets shot by the bendy bullet of, of Magneto Magneto, yes. Magneto just you know uh, basically like uh, shows themselves to the world 
Wolvie's, you know, freaking out because, you know, because he sees uh, Stryker for the first time and is, like, bringing everything back. Yeah. And, and they do an LSD joke, you know? I mean, like, in a lot of ways, you would have been like, ah, oh, come on. You know, it was cheap. No, it, but it, it played it perfect. Really worked. And, and they didn't, they, they hit just the right note with it. They didn't try to drag it out and make it, like, for the next five minutes, you know, Wolvie thinks he's on acid, and you know there's you know some, some wacky hijinks. Like they just played it for like that one moment, and then you know a few seconds later yeah, he's back. You're right. Like it, it, it was too hands. damn convenient that it had to happen right at the, the critical moment where you know Wolvie could have we could have made he could have actually stopped all this uh, this shit from going yeah. wrong. But you're right. In, in 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 the hands of in the hands of maybe less sincere people, less like sincere filmmakers, like a Brett Ratner. Like if like example. a Brett Ratner were to make an X Men movie, he would have probably not done that well. No, probably not. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, that thank God he never. Th- thank God that never happened. Thank God that never happened. God, if we could go back in time and, f- and fix anything, uh, it'd be that. But um, in the hands of like a Brett Ratner, for example, like two scenes later, he'd be like, "Look, I need to get some vitamin B complex." Okay? Yeah, yeah. Like man, they, they'd have, like still been ringing that bell. But yeah, it, it like was, yeah. it's one of those things. Like you just you gotta you gotta pick your spots. Exactly. You gotta know when to step in. And hit the hit the LSD joke, and then you know step back well, out again. Again, but, you know the whole thing with Quicksilver, like it was played for mostly his role. At least was played mostly for sort of comedic, you know, yeah. things like him t- telling him stuff about stuff he found out while they were talking. He went right. ran and found it. The whole scene where he saves them essentially, like yeah. runs around the room and has the guards punching each other and whatnot. Like it was all sort of played, but but it was done so well. Uh, you know, fit it into the movie like it just fit in so seamlessly that you know you 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 enjoyed it. You didn't yeah. just you didn't sit there and like ah oh, that was goofy or oh they you know they whatever it, it played really well. I agree, and um, it's it's cool to see it's cool to see um, some of the it's interesting to see because they have enough lineage now. It's interesting to see how some of the comedic beats are, are really you know kind of references to. Uh, you know things that have, have happened before, te- yeah. te- chronologically in the future, but things from the past films, like you know the, the gag where Wolverine goes through the uh, goes through the metal detector and he's like expecting it to go off and you know and it, of doesn't it doesn't go off. And yeah. He's like, oh, that hasn't happened in a while. Or you know, or even the one I mean, you see in the trailer, but like the one where he's like, we're gonna be really good friends. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I uh, I thought they they really you know they they, they hit us a really sweet spot with that and. It, it, I, I thought it worked very well. Much more akin to the tone of, of X two, where they were able to ride that line, yeah, and, and have have some serious stuff, have you know, have some some comedic beats and whatnot, but uh, but managed yeah. to managed to keep it uh, keep it keep it keep the pace humming along. Absolutely, where it needed to be. one uh, one thing that I, I I will say because you know my my feelings basically about the X Men films post X two. We're just kind of like, you know, X2 was really good. X1 was, was pretty good. And then from there on, it was dead to me until first class, which uh, yeah. admittedly I, I got I on like about a year after it came out to, you know, borrow your copy. Yeah. And even then, it still f- sort of felt like that's another X-Men. I mean, yes, it's yeah. in the world, but it's totally different actors in a totally different time frame. Yeah. You know, I, I still sort of saw them as, as separate entities to a degree. This... So, so I will say, Which first class kind of brought film. Well, but, uh, the way I was going to say is like, like to me, first class sort of brought X Men back, you know, kind of back a little bit. Like, you yeah. know, oh, okay, you know what, X Men films can be done, can be done right. Yeah. This one 
brought the franchise back up in my eyes. Like, like overall now, I still, I can kind of say, like, you know what, now, as before, I'd say, like, as a whole, eh, you know, X2 and, and First Class were, were really good, and that's probably about how I felt about it. Now I'm kind of like, you know, three out of out, out of out of the whole series have been really, really good. And, um, and, and, and I will say, I gotta be honest, with the ending of the movie... Dude, kind of gives me some sort of hope oh, that, like, yeah. I wasn't necessarily looking forward to a current time frame X Men movie anytime soon, unless it was a reboot where they redid everything, and I just didn't see that happening. Yeah. So, like, now that you see that, hey, in, in this timeline now, everything's set set back, everything's right, everything's looking good, everything's looking except good, except for the fact that you know maybe the most dangerous enemy the X Men have ever faced has just been put on screen. So, the end of the movie, we, we know there's got to, you know, there's got to be a fucking tag scene, yeah. you know, we know it's going to happen. Which I was, I was almost, I almost afraid we weren't getting one, because, like, I it went right that. to the end of the, the credits, which, you know, here lately they've been doing sort of the, the mid, mid-credit thing. So, you know, we come up to the tag scene, it's like, alright, you know, we're not sure where we are at first, it's like, okay, we're in the desert. And we hear this kind of chanting, and we see, like, all these people, like, spread out, like, like they're down, like, on their knees in supplication. And my first thought is like, oh, this is like Storm's origin, like Savage you know? Land or something. Like uh, that. You, you know, like like in in her backstory, you know, at one point she was like worshipped as like a deity. Uh, you know, she, you know, because you know she could control the weather and well, bring villagers. And, it, and it's not really fair to say that she had won one Oscar, <laughs> and people thought that she was really capable. Oh no, we're talking. I'm sorry, oh, Storm, not Halle Berry. I'm sorry. But um, at, that was my first instinct. I was like, oh, like we're seeing Storm, and then we see this figure standing in front of her. Like that's not Storm, and. Immediately, I'm like, "Oh my god, this is apocalypse!" And well, well, you see, you see, like, like at first you see sort of just like a, a shape out in the distance yeah. you know, that they're all looking at, and then you start seeing like giant chunks of, of stone, of, of stone and rock coming together, together. Like forming, I don't know, like like pyramid structures yeah. or whatever. And I'm just like, "Oh my god, oh my god, this can't be happening!" And uh, and and the pan, you know, the camera pans around, and you see this this kind of lightly blue skinned figure. Just holding his hands up, you know, manipulating matter, and then like off on the hill, four figures on horseback. I'm like, oh my god, it's apocalypse! Yeah. And, and I have to say that like the fanboy inside me just just leapt with joy. I, I, like I really was. It's like I can't, I can't believe that. I mean, I can remember back in like I can remember the days when Wizard Magazine was running. Like, wouldn't it be great if they made an X Men movie and? You know, like Michael Biehn was fucking Cyclops. You know, it's just like yeah. it was like pie in the sky. Like, oh man, they're never gonna fucking make an X Men movie. Oh yeah, well, you, you could not fathom oh. them making the really making the movies that we see today. No. I mean, just it, it just it seemed it seemed too it well. Was, or at the time, it, it seemed too far off because frankly, it was. It I mean, was. like when we were reading this, it was it was 15, 20, years 25 years ago. I mean, yeah. it was forever ago. And um, God, yeah, it's to me that's one of those things where this. This could be, in my opinion, sort of the, the real turning point of the whole X Men franchise of I being, of, of going from being like you know I think liked generally as a whole by, by a lot of people, but but not I don't think quite had the same sort of uh, stature maybe of some of the other. Check that out. That's kind of great. That's cool. Um, That's a cool rod. It just I don't know I don't think it had quite the same. Roll down your window. Majesty. I like your ride, bra. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> Unless you really want to do that. No. Um, um, but I don't know. Like, I really... I feel like this was this was quality. Like, it was just such a quality flick. You know what it is? I've just put my finger on it. 
this is this is what it is. This is maybe the first X Men film that has really embraced the fact the fact that X Men is based on comic books. Yeah. That's the thing about this movie is like the first one that really has really embraced the comic book angle of, uh, of X-Men because up till now they've been made more in the vein of something like the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. And it was like, what if these characters existed in the real world? What yeah. would it be like? Um, they've had that, that kind of focus on, on hyper-reality. That's not to say that this film doesn't you know try to be realistic or anything, but... That's the thing that I think kind of sets it apart. Is this this is one of the first times I can remember kind of feeling that like this X Men film actually felt like a comic book movie, I, as opposed to somebody making an adaptation of a comic that, book. That's I think that's why I was never as big a fan. Like the first movie felt like that to me, and maybe you know maybe it was small things like the whole you know the black suits as opposed to having some sort of more of a costume. You know, because yeah. I mean just to, you know to be honest, I. I like I like costumes. I think though, you know, if, if we had real superheroes, I think you know that that really had these abilities, not not just like you know. I mean, let's be honest. We put our our, our, our soldiers wear you know dress uniform when they're when they're off base. Like I mean, yeah. if we had people that were doing the things that these people could do, they they would I think stand out. At least some of them would. And and you know, so like the the first one felt very much like like you said, it felt very much like a trying to make a a movie that everybody would embrace because it's a little more realistic or plausible or right. whatever. And, and I mean, the thing is, it still has you're a- still doing the same things that, like, to me, I'm like, look, if you want to make it more plausible, you're going to, okay, so then these people can't have superpowers. Yeah. You know, so you, you've obviously taken, expect, or hope that people are going to take the leap that these people have abilities. Why would you then worry about some of this other stuff? Yeah, just go all the way. And, and you know, admittedly, I think it probably sort of had to, to be the way it was. I mean, because the, the market maybe wasn't, uh, I don't even know if it wasn't ready, but just the, the movie makers weren't ready to take that big of a gamble on comic book movies just yet. And, uh, and it was because of the you know success of X Men, because of the success of, of of Blade, of the first Spider Man, and things like that. That we that we, that was the beginning. That's really. what's got us to where we are. Yeah. But in the same way we were talking about the Amazing Spider Man films, like those are post Iron Man yes. superhero yeah. movies. Those are like post Avengers superhero movies, and that's what this film is. This film Absolutely. is a post Avengers X Men film. I would dare say and that, that the first see... class was with it too, although not to the same degree. It just no. It, it was. It, 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 to be honest, First Class felt to me much more in the kin, uh, much more akin to the first X Men movie. It felt like maybe a little bit lower budget, a little bit more focused on just you know the, the, the core story, the core characters, and then this is the one that they really got to let loose, you know, with all that and kind of take it, yeah. take it to the next degree, which gives me a little worry, but also a little hope that the next one, you know, because X Three was, Ooh, I, can't God awful. Who, I can't remember who directed that. I can't the. But no, it, it, it was awful. It, it was, was really bad, and um, I mean, it gives me hope that they can that they rush hour three. Yeah, okay, you know, I, I can see that, but uh, but they shouldn't let Ratner near anything anything more important than another rush hour. Yeah, and and you know, that may even be too good for him at this point. Honestly, like, if, if why do you think Chris Tucker hour. retired? That's true. From That's acting, true. he was just like you know, like once I was expo- I'm done, man. Once I was exposed to the shittiness that is Brett Ratner. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? I need to do something else with my life. It's supposed to him, though, three I times. mean, like, this man killed Jackie Chan's career. 
<laughs> Jackie Chan's career the, has I mean has endured for centuries, man. What's the fucking centuries? joke? I, I for, I'm, I'm I'm forgetting it now, but there was the. Do you know Kung Fu? No, but I know. What's that? But I know crazy. <laughs> yes, what's but that, I know crazy. What's that from? That's from fuck. That's from a movie. I don't. That's know. a fucking line from a movie, and I'm, I'm I feel like an idiot because I can't remember what it is right now. But anyway, there were some. Man, there were some good lines. That's what I'm gonna do. Um, there was a, there, there was some uh, there was some great stuff. Um, adding adding his considerable uh, talent, if not stature. Uh, to the festivities, I gotta say I love Peter Dinklage as Boulevard Trask. Oh, excellent! Oh, bit amazing! Of casting. Yeah, excellent bit of casting. Dinklage is uh, Dinklage is amazing on Game of Thrones. It's no surprise that you know he's bringing his A game here, but really, really great, uh, great bit of business there. Um, oh, it's fucking Shanghai Noon. I knew it was a oh, fucking yeah, Jackie yeah, Chan yeah. flick. Yeah. But I was I was thinking it was a nod to Ratner, which maybe Ratner, did Ratner do Shanghai Noon? I don't think he did, no. I think, uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think But anyway, that's, that's what it's from. It's from, like, I don't know Kung Fu, but I know but I know crazy. crazy. That, anyway. movie, that movie's got one of the best Walton Goggins uh, cameo. I say cameo. He's, he's, you know, he's in the film more than a cameo, but still. Yeah, in in the in the overall scope of Walton Goggins' career, it's amazing to watch him in Shanghai Noon and that you know realize that he would go on to to do The Shield and Justified and basically be one of the greatest TV actors uh, currently in the business. Yeah, but you wouldn't know it from watching Shanghai Noon. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Walton. Anyway, uh, back on X Men. But yeah, uh, wait a minute. That's actually a line from a James Brown song from '73. I, I had no idea. That's crazy. I really, I'm sorry. I was looking it up while I was there. Anyway, I'm sorry. That's so that, no. great because this was 73, right? That the movie that the, the movie takes place in 73. Place. So anyway, did they play that James? Because I like I I don't know. I, I never I knew know, it was like, part of a song. I, just, James I remember songs. hearing it in a movie, and I, I could not remember what it was from. But I don't anyway, know Kung Fu, but I do know crazy. But that's kind of interesting because it's from the same year, so that was maybe a nod to like yeah. you know the time that they were in. That's true. And you know, speaking of that, something that just occurred to me, and this is just other you know, this is just completely worthless knowledge. But I'm almost positive. I'm almost positive that the the future timeline of Days of Future Past. Oh, like all the Holocaust shit was supposed to have taken place. Was it th- no, no, no. It was 2013. It was 2013. I was going to say, I thought it was like this year. But oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that all that shit was supposed to have happened. Oh, it's still close enough. I mean, yeah, it's kinda, cool. know, kind of interesting to see the. Okay. One of the things, and I must have missed it. Like, like, if you saw this in Wolverine during, like, the future Holocaust timeline stuff, I totally missed it. Uh-huh. But, um,. At the end of the film, where we've got the non-Holocaust future timeline, where, you know, hey, we changed the past and everything's great now, I finally noticed that he was actually Old Man Wolverine. Yep. He's got the little gray tips on his temples. Well, I was like, he, hey, he check it that, out. He had that in the future one as I well. Totally it was, it. I well, totally missed it. I totally missed it. He had that more crew. It was more. It was cut a lot closer, and you couldn't yeah. see as well. But, yeah, no, it really, they, they again, it's just, you know, those. The, there was attention to detail. That, the details, they matter. Yeah. It's, it was a... Uh, you, know, you know, I will say one thing that normally is not something I really pay a lot of attention to. I mean, you know, maybe like we talk about, you know, Iron Man's suit or, or you know, cap suit or something. Yeah. But whoever was the fucking, like, set designer and costume person for this movie... I mean, I know it's I know it's just like, you know, 70s clothes and whatnot. But, like, I feel like they really did a great job of you feeling like you were in that time frame. Like, they really... It it, it it felt current, like you're in it, but also 
you know, of that time frame. You know, and I love how anytime they showed footage, it was it was four by three. You know, yep. kind of blurry in the center of the screen. It wasn't you know didn't fill up the whole screen. Um, I know it seems like little small things, but just I, I love stuff like that. Now, there was one moment in the movie that I thought was. To be honest, almost ruined the movie for me. Okay, because because I felt like it, it took you completely out of reality. Was when they go into they go back to the to the mansion, and Beast is like, you know, hey, I've I've you know got all this equipment set together, and, and you know I've I've recorded you know all the stuff that's going on, and he shows him what essentially is TiVo, <laughs> but it and, fills an entire room. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. When's the first time you were ever shown TiVo? You don't flip your fucking lid. That's true. Like, and they're just like, "Oh, that's like, pretty cool." Oh, that's Come cool. on, you can like pause and record live TV. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, Wolfie, you can kind of give him because maybe he, you know, he had his memories from the future where they have. He's like, where where we can? He's telling him, he's like, "Listen, you need to copy. You need to patent this. You need to patent it now." He's like, "Has Gene Simmons been born yet? <laughs> Trademark it <laughs> quick." Um, that's very true. I, no, I just I, I did think it was kind of funny that like he just he's like you know yeah I'm recording all three stations and and PBS and like, PBS. Oh, wow. um, you know I think that one thing that one thing that I'll complain about just a little bit is I felt like the mansion like the the the, the sub levels of the mansion you know the the, the area where the X Men reside yeah. where Cerebro is and all that. I mean, basically looked exactly like it did in the first X Men film, and I you mean of, from like when it would have been made in two thousand or whatever. Exactly, like, yeah. it was like one of those things where I kind of felt like I I feel like this needed to be like a transition between the raw bunker that we saw in First Class well, and the high tech, uh, you know, uh, bespoke installation that we see in the first X Men film. I felt like there needed to be a transition well, step between they, those two. They things. tried to though, don't you think? In the fact that you had like. The old school aviator dials yeah. on Cerebro, and, like that and, to and, me and, was and their, the, speak, the closest they tr- tried. Well, to get and the to. speak and spell voice. Oh yes, welcome, yes. Professor Xavier. Yeah, it's like okay, okay. But, but that, that's one thing is like I felt like I felt like um, there if, there were a couple of, of misses there. I, I, I mean, think you're just right. throw up some wood fucking paneling and some puke green carpet, but yeah. something something to just convince me. It that, literally looks exactly like it. It looks. 30, 40 years yeah, later. Exactly. Know? So that that's one that's one bit because overall I agree with you about what you're saying about the production design. Yeah. Overall I agree but with I, that. I, that's but a that's a good call. That was though. one moment that stuck out to me and I was just kinda like, Yeah, it's not exactly working. That, that actually is a, a really good call, and I do I, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, one thing that I really, really like, and you know, it just goes back to really it's one of those things that comic books have long been far more mature than comic book films. Yeah. Uh, comic book films tend to be, you know, because they tend to be rated PG-13 and so forth. Well, because there's still that, that perception that comics are for kids. Yes. And, and you know, that, 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 that therefore, also when, when a movie, when, when someone from a studio wants to make that movie, they think they have to make it for kids. And, and That's which true. Is, I think, finally... Beginning to change. Finally beginning to change. But the, the fact is that there are themes, there are mature themes explored in comic books that you would never imagine being explored in comic book movies. And i got to say that one of the things in this film that really, really impressed me is that image. Although they, you know, they explain it very clearly that this is not what it is, but the image of Charles Xavier, the heroin junkie, in this film 
is incredibly bold. Yeah. Uh, I, I was I was impressed. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm of all the places I expected this to go. Yeah. This was not it. But I mean, you know, here he is. You know, like a like a fucking junk fiend. You know, chewing on a belt t- wrapped around his arm with a needle. I was like, holy shit. Well, you know, and it, it really was that he, they even had that that conversation kind of. A good deal before that scene where, um, you know, Wolverine and uh, Beast are talking about it. And, and, you know, Beast is sort of saying, like, you know, it, you know, we try to kind of manage it, you know, uh, yeah. as much as you can. But, you know, just he couldn't take the pain of all the voices in his head. I mean, really think about, like, how a lot of people that are on drugs. Uh-huh. It, it was a very, very... Um, I don't know. I, I, I it, totally agree with you. It's they, very good. It was. It, they were not sugarcoating that. I mean, well, they were sugarcoating it just a little bit in the fact that, like, oh, you know, it's a, some serum I cooked up. I'm like, yeah. Honest. I mean, they cooked up about, on a spoon, asshole. They talked about. They talked about genocide. I mean, they talked about. Yeah. I mean, like some heavy shit. They, they talked about a lot of stuff in it, and and I know this is even going to sound sort of silly, but one thing I'm actually kind of blown away by is that we we have a, an actress on screen, practically nude. In like half of her scenes in the movie, yeah, and but it's not played for sexuality. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It's it's like, and yeah. I, I know that sounds. You know, everybody no, will look at say, "Yeah, right." Great thing about Jennifer, you know, um, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence is, is you know she she looks great, and I mean, hey, she does. She absolutely does. But that's the that's kind of the whole thing with Mystique. Mystique, you know, it's, and we they talk about in first class. You know, the whole thing of like, you know, you're you're beautiful. This way, you're this way. You know the, the way you really are, and I love how that's just played the way it is. Right. Not not sort of like every time it happens. Oh, oh, oh there's a guard that's distracted by it, or something. Her, you know, like it's. I don't know. By I, her luscious blue curves. I, I know it sounds sort of silly, but I thought that was actually a pretty well. It, it's pretty impressive to think that these days, like you could have never gotten that in a movie, even I don't think ten years ago, like like a, a comic book movie that you have a, a character that's practically you know half nude the whole the well, whole film and, and it's just and it's just normal it would have been played for some sort of effect you know yeah, for some more than just you know. i agree and i mean no no disrespect to rebecca remain stamos but um jennifer lawrence is a really good actor and you know one of the reasons that i don't think that you have that that feeling of like you know, oh there's a naked woman on screen this entire movie you don't think about it in those terms because you're so wrapped up in her character and, and what yeah, she she's doing well, yeah. and and you really buy into it because they didn't hire some again no disrespect to Rebecca remains famous who I think did a fine job as Mystique I'm not complaining at all yeah I mean the, but, for what the role was in that film it was fine you know it actually it, it was but the, the difference is that you know this time they didn't cast somebody who had a body. That could be nude on screen, and and you know it would it would be totally fine. Yeah. They cast a really good actress, and uh, you know that actually raises a, a, another really good point. And I, I remember at one point in the film, um, I think it was during the scene where she is, uh, it's it's the one scene where they do kind of play her for sexuality, where she's uh you know she's kind of playing at seducing the uh, the Vietnamese general. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, and it occurred to me, I'm like, wow, like, you know, she's in the full body makeup like Rebecca Romaine Stamos. I wonder if they've managed to get the process of putting that on under nine hours. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if it, but it also occurred to me, like, you know, she's doing, like, tons of, like, martial arts stuff oh, in this yeah. movie. And I'm sure that, I'm sure that there's stunt women involved in doing that. Oh, absolutely. But I'm also pretty sure that she herself uh, is uh, is doing quite a bit of that stuff. And, you know, she's had to do a lot of training and so forth. Uh, for all that, so I was just kind of thinking about the fact that uh, 
casting her in first class as Mystique makes a lot of sense because she's a great actress yeah, so on yeah. and so forth casting her in this one as Mystique is, is really kind of an interesting proposition uh, because she is bringing so much more to the role because it's changed so much oh yeah and that great. brings me to the point I was about to make where this film is remarkably like Once Upon a Time in Mexico the uh, the third slash fourth uh, mariachi film from Robert Rodriguez. Oh, okay. Rodriguez concocted, uh, and as, as bizarre a movie as it is, like I really love it. Uh, but Rodriguez concocted this whole idea that there was that mariachi, or excuse me, Once Upon a Time in Mexico was like actually the fourth film in the series. There was a third film that no one ever saw, but they're like always like flashing back to or making references to. Oh, okay. And this film feels a little bit like that huh. in the sense that there's like there's been this ten year gap between first class and this film. Sure. And so much of this film is what's happened. Shit that, that happened time, yeah. back in that time that we haven't seen. Like you know, like Eric and Mystique parting ways. Yeah. Uh, under apparently not so great circumstances. Uh, Jilted lovers is you know the implication and all that stuff. Um, that was one part of the movie that I thought worked good in some places and felt a little hinky in others. There were times that they did that kind of thing where I was like, okay, yeah, okay, okay you know, like fucking Xavier the Dope Fiend. Um, you know, seeing how he's been in decline, knowing that the school was there and then, you know, has since also fallen into decline. They, they did a good job. Like, it didn't feel like a leap of, of too much of a leap of faith to, to understand right. what had happened. Yeah. Whereas, specifically the relationship with uh, Magneto and Mystique, I felt like there was, like, such a... Glossed over, kind of. Yeah, it was just, like, one of those things where you, you get the feeling like, like, whatever happened between them was very complicated, and they just don't have enough screen time to, like, really, A, spell out what it was, and then, B, resolve it. And so it ends up feeling just a little bit hollow to me. I, I will say the only thing I, I, I kind of see where you're going with there. I, I again, I don't know if it's it's to me the pacing of the movie was good enough that I felt like little things. I don't know they they didn't they didn't bother me as much as maybe they would with say. Uh, yeah, well, like just another movie that maybe I, I didn't feel like pulled it off as well. Like to me, you, you kind of you get the concept. If they skipped over anything, it was it was kind of left a little bit to the imagination, but not yeah. just like we okay. So what are we fucking doing now? I have and no again, clue where we're going. I agree. Like none of this stuff ruined the film sure. for me. None of this stuff, you know, none of this stuff like really took me out of it and bothered me that much. But it was just it's that kind just, of... It's just those things where like you're doing so much right, you're getting so much of this really good. Yeah. It, it, you just notice those dips into kind of average level quality well, a little bit more well, and, because and, the rest of it's so strong. And after you said that, I, I started thinking there was one thing that kind of struck me, and it, it sort of speaks to that, I think, to a degree. I, I will say I sort of felt about halfway through, it, it felt a bit to me like Jennifer Lawrence shot her parts of the film you know, completely separate from everyone else. Now, yeah. granted, it's because most of her scenes, she's off. By there's herself. very few. Exactly, she's off by herself or with other actors and, and different different things. But but like you know, there's only a handful of characters. And, and I will say, looking back on it, there did there was a little bit of a of a I don't know a little bit of a disconnect. You know, like a little bit of it. It didn't feel a hundred percent like these people were in fact. 
huge parts of one another's lives prior to this. I actually, I, I, I get where you're going with there. I, I think, I think you're you're definitely onto something there. Um, I think about it. The movie, fuck it, horrible. Uh, but they they do they they get so much they get so much of it right. Yeah. And one of the things that I want to talk about, I, I know that both you and I kind of felt. I think both you and I felt the same way about this, but you know, essentially. Essentially, the movie says that uh, they say, "Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop Mystique from assassinating Bolivar Trask on this day in this location, and all we have to do is prevent this from happening. And you know, we'll we'll fix the future and, and stop this Holocaust from happening, and everything will be fine." Yeah. And in the grand tradition of Hitchcock, and, and I know that Brian Singer is a fan of Hitchcock. I know he studied Hitchcock, so I know he's coming from that uh, in doing this. In the, in the grand style of, of Hitchcock, they're like, okay, they tell you exactly what it is they're going to do, and then the characters fail at every aspect of accomplishing that task. Yeah, no, they, and, they know exactly what's going to happen, <laughs> when it's going to happen, yep. and yet still, because of, you know, and... And, and it all goes horribly yeah. wrong. And uh, it, it's one of those it, it's one of those great tension building devices from the Hitchcock School of Film. Because then then you know everything you did know about the future is changed. So so yep. it does it sort of opens up that you know everything's up in the air now. Yeah. It, it, it's it's officially you know it's officially a house of cards coming down. Yeah. And uh, that that was by the really, way this week's episode of the Drive Home Breakdown brought to you by House of Cards on Netflix. That's right. Do and think, bicycle playing cards. Do you think they'll? No, no, no I don't okay. think they will. I don't think they will. Never mind. But they ought to. Um, so, uh, we love you, Kevin Spacey, even if you are making E-Trade commercials now. Um, <laughs> but that, that, that whole aspect... It's that Call of Duty games. You're going to, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to call gonna them out E-Trade. The, listen, like, honestly, like, you know, as far as commercials go, they're pretty well done. All right. But, um... Sorry, take it So, uh, especially where he does the Cirque du, the Cirque du Soleil game. That is, coming is da- Coming down the, yeah. uh, the banner in the, in the, in the dance, yeah. in the dancing one. But anyway, my point is that, um... That was one thing that I really liked. I really liked coming into that because you know, like, all right, it's not going to be this easy. I know there's going to be some complication, but you don't necessarily expect the, the complication to be, oh, everyone failed at everything they were supposed to do. And, Magneto, and, and, and worse than Magneto failed, betrayed made, us. made every situation worse. Like, oh, yeah. Like, that was supposed to make the mutants look bad because one person shot another person. This was like now in front of a world, a world audience with cameras ablaze. Yeah. We, we have like three mutants. Now, now it's even more threatening. Now it's even more like, now, like they literally. Got, now they got the blue guy with the fangs and the fur, and it's, yeah. just, it's all gone wrong. But that that, that was uh, like I can think of a few movies that I can think of a few movies that do that kind of thing. A few movies that. Uh, that like set up this whole thing like okay here's the plan we're gonna do this and then we're gonna do this and blah 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 and then it's just like nope it all went wrong now we're fucked like yeah. like the rock like uh, uh, the, the rock is predicated on that exact thing happening we're Arm- gonna make Armageddon. a movie and it's gonna be directed by Michael Bay and then it all goes to and hell it all goes wrong they they have a solid idea we're gonna make a movie when they introduce yeah. Michael Bay to it it's all and then hell. it goes wrong actually a lot of his movies draw from that formula Armageddon's the exact same thing like we've got this huge plan for what we're gonna do once we get on the asteroid as soon as we get on the asteroid everything goes to shit and now it, we just improvise the rest of the film oh yeah it's a it's a common it's a common uh, device in movies but employed to great great effect here. And uh, and that's the thing. I mean, basically, like after that, Xavier's like, "I'm done. I'm going to go home and just drink myself to death now." You know, like I failed at this. I can't accomplish anything. I can't hold together 
I can't, you know, I can't hold down anything in my life. Fuck it. And, 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 you know, it gets to that emotional place it needs to be where he is at his lowest point. He is in absolute despair. Well, and well, Logan is just like, look, I am not fucking equipped to help you psychologically. Like, I am the most fucked up person I know. It's, I can't help you. It's kind of even better than that, too, because it's like the last little thing that Xavier needs to push him over the edge is reading his mind and yeah. knowing that he now doubts that anything's even possible. Like, yeah. like, up until now, I think even though he couldn't read his mind, he always sort of understood that... That, you know, okay, I, I, for, for what it's worth, I, I believe this guy, and I think that this is what's going to happen. Now that he can finally, for the first time, read his mind, and now he's like, okay, this guy doubts that it's even possible, especially now, after right. everything that's happened. Um, I, I really, I thought that was, I thought it was a very, done very, very well. And, and it was, and, and again, but like coming into that scene, and, and I'm just I'm just armchair directing here now, and I'll, I'll admit it. But uh, coming into that scene where Xavier speaks to himself, which we know is going to happen, we see from the trailer. Yeah. But it's one of those things where, like, I I wanted more from that. I, I wanted more from that. Like, they gave me a hamburger, but what I wanted was a steak uh, in that scene. It was a good hamburger, but I really wanted a steak. <laughs> and I'm hungry right now, which is why all these food references are coming up. <laughs> um, but, uh, go like, I wanted Xavier... To show Charles, uh, I wanted Patrick Stewart to show McAvoy. Yeah, this is what we're dealing with. This is how bleak the future is. You know, that you know th- these these are the these are like the 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 fields, the endless fields of bodies piled on top of each other that the Sentinels have have created. Wrong, you know, man. have made the, the, the Earth. Of. But here is here is me and Magneto. You know, the old friends together again, fighting side by side for the same cause. Here are the amazing people that that are helping us. Here, you know, here, here are these, these friends of ours that we rely on, these people that we love, these people who have, uh, you know, ha- who have sacrificed everything to fight for this cause that is worth fighting for. Um, like, I just, I felt like there was so much more that could be mined from that scene. And it was just, like over before it began. Yeah. And I understand that in terms of pacing and everything, sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes you just gotta or you gotta throw a couple lines of dialogue at it and just move on. And like I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with the way the scene was now, but I was just like, oh God, like there's just so much more I want here. Yeah, and, and it kind of does still leave you wanting. I mean, that the, the one thing, I think it's, it's... Which is not always bad. It's not always bad, especially when you, you sort of know that another... You know, like, I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't exactly sure where... I wasn't sure we were going to see another X Men movie from this series. No, from, from I this agree. Franchise. I kind of felt like this might, and again, it, even really until this movie, I still sort of felt like this was almost an offshoot of the other one, which I sort of felt like was kind of maybe not overdone or not not a bad thing. Well, I now I, I firmly believe that we've got another one coming. And, oh fuck yeah! And, it, and I'm excited. For and it. I'm excited for like that. That was the the great thing is that I think they sort of they they. They they did leave enough that you you didn't feel cheated, but you did want to see more. Like you know you, you you're right on that edge of like ah you know you didn't uh, you didn't miss anything just huge. But man, I I, I wish you'd gone a little further. Yeah, I I felt like um, I always said that I felt like First Class was a stealth reboot. You know, because going into first class, they were very emphatic. They were like, nope, we're not rebooting the series. Not at all. We're just going back and exploring, you know, an earlier story. Like, yeah. you know, how, you know, Xavier and Lyncher became Professor X and Magneto. Yeah. And they were very emphatic. Nope, not a reboot, not a reboot. And I was like, bullshit. This is a fucking reboot. Um, 
because the other movies had gotten frankly pretty bad and everybody yeah. knew it. And so coming into this, and this is, I mean, this is really a crossover film. It, yeah. It really is truly a crossover film, which is cool in and of itself. Yeah. But what's really cool about it is that not only is it a worthy successor to First Class, but as you said earlier, it really has reinvigorated and re-elevated the, the singer yeah. X-Men films back up to a level where like you're excited to see that continue and to see something else happen. Exactly. And I have no idea in terms of like continuity coming from the comic books like going into Age of Apocalypse and all of the, the heinous shit that that, in, that will entail. I have no idea what they'll end up doing to kind of fit that into and admittedly like that if, if this movie teaches us one thing it's that they don't give a fuck about continuity They're like fuck continuity let's just tell a good story well, and I'm, I'm I, cool I would actually that. argue cool to a that. certain degree that this was their way of getting continuity back in a, in a roundabout That's way true. So I, I mean, like, they're kind of retconning exactly they're retconning yeah. like you know look whatever's happened to this point we're, fuck it. we're kind of here and you don't even know what has brought them here? You know, yeah. because we haven't seen... I mean, you know, we know what, what's happened in the comics, but, you know, all these characters are now back. Some of them which that were dead, you know, prior, you know, or at least you're... I mean, who knows? I guess we're at least assuming that the future we saw is the future that was in from the other uh, movies like, like X-Men 1, 2, and 3, but sure. maybe it wasn't. Maybe it, maybe it was some other maybe option. Maybe it's a but, totally alternate time. But, but the whole point is I think we know at least now like we're starting from this point now. Yeah, and we sort I, of I have agree. this kind of character. And, and this movie, ironically enough, feels like the reboot. Yeah, yeah that's actually a good point. But I, they, they, they've managed to reboot themselves uh, as opposed to you know just reaching outside or whatever. So that's the thing I'm most excited about is like coming off this movie, I'm so excited to see where they can go. And the fact that we know. I mean, they've they've already said that they're going to do Age of Apocalypse. The fact that the tag scene is fucking apocalypse, yeah. I'm just like Jesus. Like this could I, like finally happen. Like I, they could finally fucking make truly amazing fucking great X Men. We heard we heard about the you know the announcement for Age of Apocalypse prior to seeing the movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and I I gotta be honest, I had such mixed feelings about it because I was like, okay, look, if they're doing that, are they going to are, are, there, are we going back to the same actors and actresses that played in X-Men before, or are we going to somehow say that, you know, what's hap- events that have happened in this have sort of changed their path and maybe we'll be able to reboot with new actors and actresses to play the role? Like, I wasn't sure how they were going to do it. Now, I, I'm, I'm really fine. If they, you know, if they if they keep the same cast, minus Halle Berry, of course. Uh, <laughs> well, but I mean, I think that's obvious. I think that's obvious. It goes without saying. Uh, but I'm going to say it again. Without Halle Berry... Um, I think that that uh, you know I, I have much more hope and I'm much more excited about it. I am too. Prior to like if I, if I hadn't seen even if I'd seen First Class but not seen this, I think I would have been a little. And, and you, you know, and, and like still I'm in a iffy. coma, and I wake up, and you're like, "Hey, we're going to see Age of Apocalypse." I'm like, "Fuck that! <laughs> Why would I want to watch that?" Oh, you didn't get to see. You know, so I, I, I think uh, I think they did a really good job. This is one of the few times I can I can say that honestly. It is. It's genuinely making me excited about a film series that I was not excited about prior to, like yeah. minus First Class. I, I really want to go back now and, and watch watch the previous films again. You know, to kind of sort of get ready. Yeah, um, I agree. even three maybe. I don't know. No, 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 no. no. Don't know. No, I won't. I, like honestly, they show clips of three in this, uh, and even, even those clips kind of make. Yeah, it. yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> like, like honestly, it, it's. It, what is it with the third film? X three, Spider Man three. I know, like, man. I, I'm telling, like Marvel, Iron Marvel's good. Iron Marvel, Man three. Marvel's got the three film curse. 
They they really do. They've got the third. So that, first. That, that that's the one. I was gonna say but, that earlier when we got off on our topic. That I wonder if that worries me a hair. If this is the third in the sort of first class rebooting, you know, like that's true. That's ah, true. But but since it's a crossover film, it's it doesn't count. Maybe, you know, maybe it won't count. But um, but that that's the thing that I was gonna say. Like the I fact need my that my future self to come back in time to convince me that that's the case, and also to you know to give you stock tips. Yes. Um, they really should don't buy stock. That's probably the tip I give myself in the future. They really need to do that time cop remake. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the thing I was going to say, I can't believe we worked a time cop reference in from earlier today. Talent, sheer talent. No, but uh, the thing I was going to say is that if anything, what this movie teaches me is that, and ironically, this is the entire message of the film is that you know just because you stumble doesn't mean that all all hope is lost. That's true. And and really, that that's that's the lesson of this film. For that's the, actually that actually is a really good call I, for the franchise overall. Is just because there's X three, just because there's you know there's Origins Wolverine, there can be this movie too. Yeah. Like you know if if if. We give them the chance to, to keep going on. They can come back and do something really great, which is I, what they did in this movie. I think that's a great point. I will say I am I am one of my worst things that I do that I, I get frustrated with myself at. But it's just I, I've, I've, I try not to, but it just still happens. Is yeah. once I have to look at things as a as a set. So like if if you have like when when the first Matrix came out. And you had just that movie. I loved that movie. Yeah. I thought it was great. I had, thought it had a great story, great mm-hmm. concept. It wasn't just the cool bullet time effects. It was that it had yeah. a really cool, interesting story. Yeah. And all of the thoughts that we we talked at ends about, like, oh, what would the second one be? Man, they could do this. They could do yeah. this. They could da 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 Well, then once the second film came out, I even still, because nothing really happens in the second movie. So the second, yeah. second movie is like the second Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, literally, from beginning to end, nothing happens that couldn't be explained in two seconds, you know? Yep. So... It was we tried to blow something up. It failed. All right, third movie. All right, exactly, and so you could take it out and not not really have anything. But then the third one came out and was just so bad. Yeah. And but it's like now I can no longer look at just the Matrix by itself. I, whenever yeah. I see it, I I have to think of it in terms of the series. Yeah. And because of that, it really is brought down. You know, it's like one of those things. Like I think the Matrix on its own is is a really good film but yep. i feel like it's been brought down over the years because of the later ones this this well, is the way i, I had and I, I was gonna say though this is the thing i'm sort of start, maybe gonna try to change with x-men is because x-men honestly i i have never it, it's been so long since i've gone back and watched it's been probably 10 years since i've watched x1 right and m- m- probably not much longer than that since i've watched x2 but it's mainly because I was so unhappy with with three. I didn't even uh, yeah. see Origins or Wolverine because of just how how like I was like I just doesn't I don't I don't see anything in there that makes me excited about them. Yep. And uh, this movie though has actually reinvigorated that that sort of. Uh, I'm actually kind of now wanting to go back and, and get caught up on, on, on those others and, well, and watch them again. Here's what I would say. Now, if they suck, I'm blaming you, though. Definitely watch The Wolverine. Definitely the, the second of like the Wolverine. Do Wolfie I need to see Origins for though? No. Like- Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, don't watch, don't watch Origins. So definitely watch there is nothing. There is absolutely nothing in that film that can help you. Even uh, Liam, uh, not Neeson, Liam, or no, what's his name? Liev Schreiber. Liev Schreiber. And you know, I love Liev Schreiber. Like, I really dig him you as an actor. You love him as Sabretooth? I, I think that he's, he, he's a cool Victor Creed. He's, he's not, he's not Sabretooth. He's a cool Victor Creed, okay. if that makes sense. I, I, I get that. I can um, see that. 
I, I, I like him, but that movie is absolutely <laughs> a black hole from which there is no escape. All right. I mean, it, like, like right. honestly, like that's the movie that you need to send your consciousness back and make sure you never make watch sure it. Maybe you have. Maybe. Maybe that's why you've never watched it. This has been the Drive Home Breakdown on X-Men Days of Future Past. And we hope you enjoyed riding along with us. We certainly enjoyed the film. And we can't wait to hear your thoughts. So please leave your comments on the show, on the movie at drivehomebreakdown.com. Or if brevity is more your jam, hit us on Twitter at Breakdown Show. We'll be back next week with another commentary episode on X-Men First Class. So get your uh, DVD, get your Blu-ray players all warmed up for that. We're going to be talking about that film. Go back and compare. See what we think of that film now that we've seen Days of Future Past. See how, how, how these two movies compare, how the continuity flows from uh, fr- from that, uh, that McAvoy Fassbender cast. From that movie coming into this one with the the mixed cast from the Singerverse, so we'll be back then and uh, and let you know our thoughts on that. Get ready for it. Until then, here's pro driving tip number sixty four. If you're fixing to get into a fight with a man who's got the balls to boink a mob boss's daughter, and you have a rabbit's foot on your keyring, you are about to lose a fight. See you next time.